You're listening to Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blank Monster. As always, I'm your host, Marie. Blank Monster is a segment here on Blank Scenario where I go through two or three monsters in the Monster Manual that I think are overused or underused and give you a couple of new ideas on how to put them into your scenarios at home. We have been working our way through the 5th edition Monster Manual going A to Z and this week we are on to letter O. We are only covering two monsters this week. We are going to go ahead and kick it off with a monster I actually first fought in one of our campaigns at home, the Oni. The Oni is essentially a blue orc that is the boogeyman. If you can get a boogeyman within Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of hard to since everything has hit points. But the Oni is the closest thing you really kind of get to it. There are a couple of variants, but the basis of the Oni is it is a blue or green-skinned ogre with dark hair, white eyes, and horns. Even though it looks like an ogre, it isn't actually connected to them. There is some lore that suggests maybe there's like a deep connection somewhere. But interestingly enough, Oni speak giant, and they are considered a large giant. So probably closer to the other end of the spectrum. During the day, because Onis are smart, they're very intelligent creatures. During the day, they hide their form with magic. They do have a lot of innate magic, which makes them a challenge in direct combat. And they can also use this to disguise themselves to be able to walk around towns and suss things out. Interestingly enough, they can actually change their shape and size, not just the one. Normally, when you have a creature that can disguise their appearance, they don't change their physical size. These guys can. So they can look like a medium humanoid and literally be a medium humanoid, which is very powerful. They can travel through towns this way. And the book actually says... Devise ways to abduct and devour some of the townspeople. So obviously not a good guy. They are often called ogre mages because they do look like ogres and they have magic. Um, One thing they do share with ogres, other than appearance though, is joining forces. They will actually serve dark wizards, hags, and other evil creatures in exchange for, well, anything they kind of desire. They covet magical items, so that might be a good trade. Maybe they're getting the loot off the people they kill as security. They also like a nice, well-defended house. So maybe Wizard Tower is a good place to camp out at rather than that cave in the middle of the forest. So there's a lot of little reasons why they might want to team up with someone. They don't really have any specific weapons they use in a fight. They can use a glaive, which is a bit unusual. But they do have their spellcasting. Makes a bit of a challenge. They have, interestingly enough, Charm Person, makes sense. Pone of Cold, Gaseous Form, which is an interesting one to give them, and Sleep, which does also make sense again. Gaseous Form makes me think they're probably going to cut and run if the fight is more than they can handle, which, for your players in a scenario, is a good thing to keep in mind. They do also have a regeneration ability, which anytime you give creature regeneration, no matter how limited, that makes the fight that much harder because they can heal from just about anything. And the Oni's regeneration is not limited to weaknesses. Trolls heal damage except from fire. Oni's don't have that restriction. Oni's heal, at the start of their turn, 10 hit points. Blanket statement. So it's not a lot because they start with 110. But if you aren't consistently doing more than 10 damage, it's going to basically be maintaining a fight. And your player is going to run out of time and resources before the Oni does. 
So that is definitely something to keep in mind. We don't have a lot of variation with the Oni and past editions. I will say I do love the artwork that the fourth edition has for these guys. One of them, it looks like a gin <laughs> a little bit. And the other one just looks like what you imagine Oni to look like with a creepy face. A couple of things from fourth edition, though, that I think are interesting. Rather than living in the middle of the woods, hunting prey, they are much more structured within their society. They live underground in nice strongholds. They have a lot of servants and slaves, and it's even a status symbol of how much wealth and how many servants do you have. If someone offends them, they might get revenge rather than just mindless monsters. We do have a variant that is a mindless monster, which is the night hunt, night hunt, night haunter. Oh, goodness. You think I could read when it's in front of me. <laughs> the night haunter is your traditional oni. They break in people's houses, devour sleeping victims, and hide out in the woods in secluded areas. And then the Oni Mage, which the Oni Mage feels like where the Ogre Mage title kind of came from. This is going to be a, a Oni that bullies others into serving it. So it is the leader, but it hides among the group as just another Ogre or minion. So it is not directly being in charge, even though it's leading the group which is a very clever tactic for something that probably doesn't want to be recognized. So a couple of ideas for the Oni. A group has discovered a supposed ogre lair after several disappearances in town. Obviously, this is another subterfuge scenario. There's actually an Oni, not an ogre. Doesn't change the fight much, except your party may not know what they're going into. I would make sure to change up some of the... MO of the supposed attacker, make it to where this person seemed to be smarter than just an ogre breaking in because there's been no sign of a rampage, there's no sign of blood in here. It looks too clean to be an ogre, but that's what everyone's saying it is. This is more of a scenario where you need to scare the only off rather than straight up defeat it. You probably want to because otherwise it's going to go to another town, but you don't have to necessarily kill it to protect your town. The second scenario idea leans into the idea of the boogeyman, that your party will be playing as kids, or at least as young players, or young characters. So your party is a group of kids, and you're trying to convince the adults of something outside your window, right, that's been stalking you. So the, this Oni has been stalking these kids. It's getting to where the night's coming, where one of them's been taken, maybe one has been, and they have to convince the parents, or they have to be able to fight back. We actually did a scenario um, a couple months ago now where we had a bunch of apprentices dealing with an issue when the master's left. This is another way you could do that as well, that the apprentice sees this. They're going to take care of it to prove to the master that they can do it. Always a good option. The last scenario idea is the idea of an only serving someone. Um, I would say, too, you could twist this if you wanted to, to be this is the Oni's tower, not a wizard's tower. Always a good option, especially if Oni has taken over <laughs> since the wizard has, air quotes, disappeared. So while breaking into this tower, whoever owns it, the party will begin to notice a shadow stalking them. And this would be the Oni who's following them, basically tormenting the party until either they leave or it gets them in a spot where it can actually do damage to them without just being swarmed. Again, it's one creature against probably four to six. It's not dumb. It's going to want to make sure the fight is advantageous to it. And it is in its home turf. So your party is on the back foot no matter what they do there. That is a couple of videos for the Oni. Fun fact, I said I fought this in a campaign. 
we technically locked it in a vault and just left. So we never really fought it, but it was there. Our second monster for this episode is Atug. Atug. I don't even know how to pronounce it because it's letters. I'm going to throw Atug. Atug sounds right. For those at home who aren't looking at the title, it is O-T-Y-U-G-H. The Atug is a large, just massive looking creature with three legs. One leg centered in the back. And every picture I found of it. A large, just pointed mouth with lots of teeth. And tentacles, some of which have eyes and a nose on it. So its sensory socks are its eyes and its nose, and that's how it sees and hears and, well, not hears, but sees and smells everything. The main body doesn't have any of that. This creature is, despite its size and appearance, a ambush character. So it buries itself under carrion and filth and just gross and muck stuff, and it waits. It sticks its little eye stock and smell stock above the surface so it can see what's going on. When someone gets too close, it attacks. This creature also convinces people to come towards it with this limited telepathy, because that's what this thing needed, really. This, it did not need a telepathic ability. It's very minor, but it can send messages to people limitedly to get them to come towards it. So if you have a party that's really curious about everything, this is a great creature to put them in a bad spot, because they will want to investigate, why do I get the sense that this area is safe and this pit isn't? The Otug does not like bright light but it will tolerate it if they can find an attractive layer. In the wild, you're going to find these guys hidden in murky swamps and ponds and forest glens, just kind of in the shadows with a whole lot of filth around. And the city, because they do appear in the city, you will find them in graveyards, sewers, middens, which is like a refuse heap, and animal pens. And of course, animal pens are also attractive because free food. Now, they are not very intelligent, they are more instinctual, which means they can be used very easily as guardians. Because if you keep them well fed, they won't necessarily attack you. And they can keep people from coming to areas they shouldn't. But it takes a lot, a lot of carrion and meat to keep these guys fed. And they're likely to just eat you and move on to somewhere else more profitable if you don't keep them fed enough. In the 4th uh, edition monster manual that I have, these guys pop up. And one fact about them that's interesting is they don't actually eat their victims, when they kill them, they let the body rot for a bit and then eat them, which, if you consider the environment they're living in, makes sense because it adds more rot to it, and basically they're waiting for decomposition. That does, of course, present the idea that you could include carrion um, eaters into this, so other creatures that might eat dead bodies would be attracted to this area, might be too small for the um, atug to notice, or maybe it's a symbiotic relationship, either way could work, but the area that the Atug lives in should be, for the most part, pretty obvious, even if you don't notice there's something living there. So I have two scenario ideas for this one. The first one deals with a recent wave of death. You can decide if it was plague, if it was a war, whatever it is. Something has caused a lot of people to die very quickly. Graveyard is kind of overrun. All of a sudden, the workers and volunteers and people just visiting graves start to go missing. And there is an Atug pit that has popped up in one of the mass graves. Um, this is why, again, I say you need a lot of people dying very quickly to justify a mass grave with the Atug popping up. What this means, of course, is it's going to be very evident that this Atug won't stick around for long. Because you're not going to have this many bodies again for a while. 
So your party might be able to just wait it out. They could convince the city to wait it out. They may also decide to try to get rid of themselves. Either way works. The last scenario for the Atug, because really he works best as an ambush predator for travel or as a guardian. As a guardian, well, unintended guardian, you have the scenario where your party is hired to remove a Atug that has nested in a stableman's or a nobleman's stable. Fairly large stable, a lot of animals around, a lot of gross stuff from animals around, very attractive, and it's taken up nest. So the nobleman has hired you to remove the Otug and get it to nest in its rival's stable instead. <laughs> so he wants you to kick it to the other guy's stable to mess with his life. Now, at this point, there are a couple ways you can go about this, depending upon the party you have. Party could say, no, we're just going to get rid of it. We're not going to do that. Everyone's happy. Party could just walk away and not worry about it. Always an option. This is also, if you have a party that decides to be a bit entrepreneurial about this, could just be sending this atug back and forth to people's various houses as an extermination gig. Really an extermination scam. But very possible if they wanted to try that. They could definitely try to pull that off a couple times to get some cash off it. Um, it's risky because you don't want to fight this thing straight on. But it's very possible because you could lead it where you wanted to and just let it nest in and then come back a month later and get rid of it again. So that is two monsters from the Monster Manual this week. The Oni and the Otug, which are very fun monsters. They have not a lot that they can do, but because they feel like very basic monsters within D&D, it feels just kind of refreshing to throw something in that is not an ogre, but ogre-like and has some spellcasting. Not necessarily a you know rust monster and, a, and the sewers, but kind of has that vibe to it a little bit of you don't want to mess with it, it's just there. I did have a third creature for this week. And as I was researching, I realized it needs its own episode. So we will have a special episode next week with a part two for this creature. I'm not going to spoil the surprise yet, so be sure to tune in. In the meantime, let me know if you fought Inoni in an actual combat. And also where you have been no two in a city, because there's a lot of cool places in modern times I think you could put it, depending upon your scenario setting. We are getting towards the end of the Monster Manual course. We're coming up on last few major letters. If you have any monsters you want me to talk about, let me know. And of course, let me know if you've used any ideas and how wonderfully wrong they've gone. <laughs> Until then, I'll see you next time. Hello. Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy.